Welcome back to Bored Brown Girls. Louie and I are intoxicated <laughs> in one way or another, uh, which mm. means <laughs> that it is time for Inquisitive Intoxication, our very special segment where Lou and I rant about things that make us passionate or tickle our fancy or make us very angry while we are under the influence Louie oh my god (laughs) 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 oh fuck I'm sweating in anticipation not just because of all the alcohol uh I, what you didn't the last time we did this brie you didn't have anything so i think you deserve to go first i don't have anything this time either louis j <laughs> what the okay fuck? i have a little thing i have a little thing good okay but i think you should go first no <laughs> no you're gonna go first no i can't form words right now <sighs> okay um okay great <laughs> uh we're gonna anyways uh drunk... angelica the drunk historian oh that was a weird mixture of french and german but i'm into it okay let me take another sip of my bev california sauvignon blanc that's my product placement because i you literally can't see me. I feel like I'm being videotaped. I'm like posing and shit. Um, I did a photo shoot for this company. That was really cool. Uh-huh. My first campaign photo shoot. Bev is women owned and operated. It's a I was can- literally called Bev. Yeah, it's canned I wine. You were shortening things again, and I nope. was like, <laughs> no, it's literally called Bev. It's canned wine. Women owned and operated, trying to fight against sexual assault. Beautiful. It's a great company. And they are in Safeways in Northern California now, so you can buy it. Oh. Yeah. Or you can order it online and get it shipped to you. So everyone should buy Bev. They're a great company. And your girl was in a campaign. Um, okay. <clears throat> so drunk history and Gallica style style. Um, we're gonna be talking about Minstrelsy. Minstrelsy? Minstrelsy. Do you know what minstrelsy is? Minstrelsy. Yes. Not menstruation. (laughs) Is it related to it? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Then no. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you don't know what minstrelsy is. But do you know what musical theater is? (laughs) Not actually, not, I'm not, bitch. (laughs) You don't know what musical theater is? I, uh, Louis J, you've literally seen me in a musical. Yeah, but what is a musical theater? By definition, Mm, like. What is (laughs) musical theater? I'm Shakespeare and I am asking you. A philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not to be. Music. <laughs> Music. Oh, theater. 
Which is it? <laughs> I'm choking on my own spit. Okay. We're off to a great start. <clears throat> okay. Oh, I'm still hot. I'm literally sweating. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, musical theater, when I say musicals or musical theater or Broadway, what is like the image that comes to your brain? Do you remember that show Victorious and her sister was like, Chicago! <laughs> Chicago! <laughs> That's what comes yes. to my brain. Okay, so or uh-huh. or Manuel Mar- Miranda, little lit that guy. You know I Hamilton. Love, yeah, that man, yeah. That I love, guy. I love him. I love him yeah. so much. I want to be the female version of him. That's my goal in life. Um, yeah, those are like mostly <laughs> what <people> the latter <laughs> think of. You know, they think of maybe their favorite composer or you know like the bright lights in the marquees they think of broadway in new york they think of taxis they think of you know bright lights they might think of kick lines and you know all that jazz showbiz baby but guess what musical <laughs> theater has its roots in minstrelsy which means nothing to you because you don't know what minstrelsy is but basically minstrelsy is racist shit so yeah, musical theater has its roots in minstrelsy. And minstrelsy is the performing of blackness. It's where blackface comes in. Mm. So minstrel shows are blackface performances. Minstrel. Yeah. Why does that sound like another word I know? Menstrual? No. <laughs> like how kings and queens would have... Someone, oh, like a fool, kind of. Yeah, it, yeah. That's a minstrel. A minstrel is like a performer, but in cultural context, a minstrel show um, or a minstrel performance in America is mm-hmm. a blackface performance. Where they, a black what? A blackface performance. Oh. <clears throat> where the main character, character, wow, the main characters are black caricatures. <laughs> Okay, so I'm familiar with the, like, ye olde English dance for me man one. Okay, so basically people have kind of deemed musical theater like the one true American art form. So even though, like, now people only think of all the things that I had aforementioned, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of fitting that the one true American art form, quote unquote, has its roots in this, like, racist performance Mm -hmm. (laughs) because America um but basically um minstrelsy was a popular form of entertainment in the 19th and 20th centuries which was involving black black face performances of racists (laughs) whoa leo yeah i'm angry at it too now daddy's home oh daddy as in roy or daddy as in randall Daddy, give me kissy. I'm recording with Jelly. Roy, we're learning about racists. We're learning about racists. About racists. Uh huh. Minstrelsy. It's Not- theatrical blackface. Theatrical blackface. Yeah. Like racist. Well, blackface is racist. That's redundant. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a headphone splitter? You should have Roy. He has things to do today. He's gonna leave soon. No, but he just got here. I know, we just got back from the gym. 
bruh. I don't have a headphone splitter. But he will be here for another... Um, I shouldn't say another because I feel like that's giving it away. No, Well, we'll we already that. talked about it. Yeah. Um, he's going to be here for another biracial episode. I know. But I like talking to black people about <laughs> racists. Jelly just wants to talk to you about racists. Okay. You can do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> can i continue i don't know he might make a couple more noises i would wait a couple of, okay couple. i wait that's okay no sorry, clearly. i I'm wait so so, so you can eat your watermelon yeah you crunch slurp crunch slurp <laughs> oh it's gonna be weird because i haven't even realized i've been eating this whole time Oh my god, Louie. I literally just it, looked into the tin. Put it in wow. the... I must have put it in the microwave. Yeah, I'm put it in the fridge. smacking watermelon into the microphone for what? I don't know, like an, an hour? hour? No, at least two minutes. I know either. I'm still having hot flashes. Jelly's dying. She's having hot flashes. <laughs> she drinked it it's that Bev, guys. Better get it. No, it, you it was the rosé that I drank before I ate dinner <laughs> that I chugged. Oh. The rosé made her hot. No, rosé made my cheeks rosé, you know? <gasps> no, come back here and give me a kiss. Oh, I'm not being rude. Roy, give her a kiss. Sally backs me up. Give me a kiss. Yeah. Oh, you're being mean. I love you. I'm sorry for being mean and making you rush. I should have texted Saying you in advance. You're chewing with your mouth open <laughs> for an hour. Mm. Thank you. Bye. Sure. I love you. Close your <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't close it because Leo could maybe want to get out. Thank you so much. You're the best ever. <laughs> don't forget your coffee. Who drinks coffee at 6 p.m.? We got it at noon. Y'all are crazy. Okay. It's officially a podcast. Hello, Leo. Say it back. Wow. (laughs) He's back. Okay. 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 I start again? Yes. Okay. 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 Um, um, oh fuck, where was I? Menstrual cycles. Menstrual cycles. <laughs> the cycles <laughs> of blackface. The shedding of blackface. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the white people getting angry because they can't be born black. What is happening? Okay. Um, minstrelsy. It was a. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> I know I'm getting hot again. Okay. Um, <clears throat> minstrelsy. Oh, my mom's making chicken wings. Oh, Louie. <laughs> so excited. Sorry, I need to put this on. Do not disturb real quick. I had chicken strips for dinner. Yes, but this is going to be Filipino. Chicken strips. Okay. Okay. Strips. Menstrual C. 
Minstrelsy. Minstrelsy. Thank you. The Joker is a minstrel. Uh, Sure, but not this type. Okay. Minstrelsy was a form of entertainment popular in the 19th and 20th centuries, involving blackface performances of racist stereotypes and caricatures involving enslaved Africans. So basically, if we were to create a timeline, blackface performances start, then they kind of get popularized into minstrel shows, then it turns into what we would call vaudeville, and then vaudeville is the roots for American musical theater. Um, And that's kind of like the lineage. But let's get more into it, shall we? What is blackface, Louis? Do you know? Um, It's a racist caricature done by typically white people, I believe, in... I was going to say mockation <laughs> to mock uh, African-Americans and blacks. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pretty, pretty on the nose. So blackface is basically when non-black performers physically portray blackness through makeup. And that makeup was usually shoe polish or burnt cork that people would smear on their faces. Um, and performers, yeah, burnt cork, like the shit out of the top of a wine bottle and then they just burn that shit and then smear the ashes on their face. Let me tell you, they looked ugly as fuck. They don't look anything like these beautiful Nubian queens that we love and admire, okay? They were just rude. Anyways, performers who partook in blackface would often pair it with like theatrical performances that mimicked enslaved Africans on southern plantations through harmful stereotypes and caricatures. And a lot of people don't know what a caricature actually is. So a caricature is a picture or a description or an imitation of a person in which a certain striking characteristic is exaggerated in order to create a comic or grotesque effect. Um, So like black people having really big lips is like a caricature, right? The Mm -hmm. exaggeration of their lips, black people being really tall and skinny is another you know thing or having big butts or being really curvy or you know having huge afros like these are all different ways of being in caricature for a black person and black-bodied people um and so these shows that like had these caricatures and these performances were called minstrel shows and blackface, blackface excuse me performances was definitely around before minstrelsy but Minstrel shows got their start in New York in the 19, not the 19, the 1830s by a man named Thomas Dartmouth Rice. And Rice is known as the father of minstrelsy, which now that I say it is kind of <laughs> ironic because his last name is Rice. Anyways, Rice is known as what? the father. I don't fucking know. I just, just see. What does <laughs> white so have to do with this? rice with being with asian food and then uh, i don't know i don't know what's happening i'm drunk okay. rice is the father of minstrelsy with like asian people in- yeah okay. yeah okay. like the no, no no like the white guy's name who's due the father of minstrelsy his last name is rice uh-huh. but- Rice is known as the father of minstrelsy. It just made me laugh because then I thought... I don't get the correlation at all. I don't know. Okay, it's fine. Keep going. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> oh, Lord. Rice is known as the father of minstrelsy. 
sweating. So glad I decided not to drink. (laughs) (laughs) Be popularized. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Okay. I'm literally sticky. Okay. Ew, I can Um. hear you. (laughs) He popularized the well-known caricature of Jim Crow. Y'all heard of Jim Crow? You know those laws. The most racist laws. Mm -hmm. Is also a caricature of a black man who is the happy-go-lucky plantation slave. So Jim Crow, the character of Jim Crow, was inspired... (laughs) fucking appropriation my dude uh was inspired by an old crippled black man who was dressed in rags that rice saw dancing and at the time blacks were banned from dancing can you believe that i'm terrified of of dancing in public so i'm uh i yeah i get it but also like bruh no like the white plantation owners were like you blacks can't dance and look what it did to their <laughs> it's unholy <laughs> they so they were banned upon from dancing. all white people to not be able to have rhythm <laughs> so the blacks were bland bland they were not bland they were banned they were banned from <clears> dancing <throat> because it was seen as quote crossing your feet against the lord um so they created a shuffling dance where their feet never left the ground and uh this oh wait what am i reading um okay blacks were banned from dancing the whites said that's unholy so black people were like we still gonna dance though and then they basically created the shuffle um and then rice saw this old crippled man doing his shuffle dance and rice was like hey yo that old man's got some moves so then rice basically imitated the man that he saw but he decided to dress up and black up with exaggerated lips to like pretend that he was the black man right so when someone puts on blackface we call it blacking up that's a term Um, uh uh-huh what the fuck yeah so when someone puts on blackface we call it blacking up like puts the cork puts the shoe polish on my face we call it blacking up Um, So Rice blacks up, he makes the big exaggerated lips, and then he makes, like, this exaggerated shuffle dance that is probably not as dope as the old man shuffle dance, and is, like, basically making fun of the old man that he saw. Um, um, But then he started, like, touring around the United States, showing people this shuffle dance while he was blacked up and pretending to be a black man, and the country loved it because they're a bunch of racist assholes. And then he began, like, minstrel troops, and this is, like, the height of the minstrel era. There were at least 30 different blackface troops traveling through the country and, like, performing these caricatures and, like, perf- and kind of spreading these, like, racist ideologies of what people now thought blackness was or how black people acted or danced or looked and all these things so this was kind of like the first main media like perpetuation of like black stereotypes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so every black stereotype that you know comes from a blackface caricature. Mm. And that's based in minstrelsy. Um 
So basically, as minstrelsy gained popularity through the U.S. after the Civil War, blacks who were once banned from being on stage because, you know, God forbid an actual black person decide to perform something and be truthful about what the black experience is, you know. So blacks were basically banned, obviously, from, like, doing anything. (sighs) Um, but after the Civil War, they were like, okay, well, you're not a slave anymore, even though you're still, I don't know, unequal, apparently. So we gonna let you come on stage and perform, but you still have to black up. Even though this person is Black, mm-hmm. they had to black up still to perform. And they had to perform in the caricatures. They had to continue to perpetuate these harmful stereotypes of blackness as a black person in blackface to white audiences if they wanted to be a performer. I think that's so fucked up, my dude. I think that's so messed up. But um, also another big thing is because a lot of these minstrel um, troops traveled to the north, They didn't really have, like, before the Civil War and stuff, they didn't really understand what life on the plantation was like and what those, you know, enslaved were like. So their interpretation of the enslaved was uh, forged through seeing these performances. So a northerner's idea of a black enslaved person on a plantation was whatever the caricature was because they didn't have their own physical firsthand experience with them. Mm. So like truly was like so harmful because they were instilling first opinions and first impressions of blackness in the North through these shows, which I think these white men are dangerous. Honestly, Pocahontas, Mother Willow, she had it right. They had it right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, blacks who were banned from being on stage began to perform initial shows, but they had to black up. Yeah, we already talked about that. Um, yep. Okay. Over time, minstrel shows, which had appealed to audiences of all age- ages and gender identities, transformed into an art form that we know as vaudeville. Um, vaudeville, unlike minstrelsy, was targeted to an only male demographic and formatted itself as a variety show rather than a sequence of skits. And so vaudeville usually consisted of eight to 14 acts that included singing, dancing, comedic routines, magic acts, circus acts, and celebrity cameos, and regularly regularly toured around the country in smaller performance venues. Sound familiar? A circus? What's happening? Well, that's part of it. We're going through history, Louis. <laughs> he said performing acts. Yeah. And they moved around. I just thought circus sure um but yeah so it's well, basically <laughs> it was basically early musical theater it's early variety acts it's you know oh. tours yeah i think um, you're talking to the wrong person because i know nothing about musical theater i it, thought it all you'd... started with like theater theater no um so eventually vaudeville performances begin to add plots to their 
to connect the variety acts in an attempt to create more cohesion. And this change, along with meddling melodrama into the performances, begins to morph into the beginnings of American musical theater. Um, so basically, that's like the long version of saying musical theater is like the third rendition of minstrelsy and blackface performances. But then I also want to talk about some of the films that are racist as fuck that happen around the time and, and uh, have blackface in them. Mm-hmm. Did you know that America's first feature length film? Do you know what movie that is? No, but it had. Oh, fuck. I know which one it is, but I don't know the title. It's called Birth of a Nation. There it is. And Birth of a Nation utilized blackface and portrays black men as the main antagonist of the film with the Ku Klux Klan as the heroes. What a time to be alive. Oh, God. (laughs) America's first film with sound. Do you know what that film is? (laughs) The Sound of Music. (laughs) you're kidding me no i literally know nothing about filmography the jazz singer was also or sorry also displayed the use of blackface by the actor al jolson other famous actors are you ready for this other famous actors that what that portrayed blackface Yes, but if Robert Downey Jr. is on this list, I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, He's not. Okay, keep going. Okay. Our beloved Shirley Temple. That's right. Little Miss Animal Crackers in my soup. Animal Crackers. Loop-de-loop. Was a blackface performer. When she was, like, of age? I feel like she wouldn't know she was... Like, as a child? I don't know the timeline. I don't know her life. I just know at some point in her life, she used blackface. Actually, now I think about it, I think it was when she was little. Well, is that her fault? I mean, I get the perpetuation, but did she commit a crime? But it's a child! And she's, like, America's little sweetheart. Blame the parents. It just makes me mad that fucking Shirley Temple, Miss Animal Crackers in my soup, decided to put on blackface. But did she decide or was it her parents' decision? I don't want to get into the morality and the philosophy of the morality behind this. It's just wrong. I, I agree with the perpetuation of blackface, but I do not agree in blaming Shirley Temple. Okay, next one. Okay. Mickey Rooney, who's most known for his yellow face in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. But he also did blackface. Yeah. Yeah, that one's not as surprising. But this one I didn't know. This one really surprised me. <laughs> Lil Miss Judy Garland. You really? That's surprising? <laughs> Dorothy. <laughs> when I learned it, I didn't know. I was like damn we're not in kansas anymore if miss judy garland can fucking put on blackface and still be one of these wonderful people who are celebrated and you know she was of age okay you can't play the little shirley temple i can't because wasn't she in wizard of oz she looked 
Yes, this was two years before Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I just... These are like actors that America loves and like are considered classics and they all have racist tendencies the actors if you are an actor who willingly per- like willingly puts on blackface you know like how do you, I just I don't get I put, it. I'm like okay. I'm, I'm like I'm gonna play devil's advocate in of this episode. Of course you are. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead, okay. Satan. Okay, but think about the times where these came out. When did when did Wizard of Oz come out? Nineties, eighties? No, the thirties. The thirties? Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta think. Nineteen thirty-nine. Here's the thing, I get it, but at the same time, why do we as a society continue to hold these people in high regard when now with the times when, you know, we wit it, sort of? I think it's maybe their good has outweighed their bad and they're changed individuals now. (laughs) Well, they're all dead, first of all. Well, maybe they were shit. When did they all die? What the heck? (laughs) Girl. I don't know. I don't (laughs) don't pay attention to dead people's sins. Death. (laughs) Judy Garland died in 1969. Yeah, they're dead people. Mickey Rooney is trending. Why he trending? Probably yellow face. No, I thought he was dead. Oh, he's oh, oh, he died in my neighborhood. He died in 2014. And Shirley Temple. Yeah, Shirley Temple. Oft. <laughs> Not the drink. No, Shirley Temple, 2014. Oh wow. She was cute. She was real cute. I thought she was creepy. Really? Yeah. No, she just looks like a little doll with those ringlet curls. Yeah, dolls are creepy. I mean, yeah, but (laughs) she's like not actually a doll. She's a child. So were they really celebrated? (laughs) But like, yeah, it's like everyone, pretty much everyone knows who... Shirley Temple is pretty much everyone knows who Judy Garland is. Judy Garland was like this huge movie star. She's like up in the classics like uh, Marilyn Monroe and um, Audrey Hepburn. She's like regarded in that sense, like up with those people. And I'm like, yo, but Judy Garland did blackface. Like. I'm still sitting on the they're dead and it's in and like they were younger and it was like of the times, you know, I think it's we I get look- that it wasn't wrong or that people didn't think it was wrong in the moment. I understand that. But now. Why are we still celebrating these people? Is but it, then like the we music, do that with the a bunch community of that celebrates them no i just think america is a general like we're like oh i'm so nostalgic i'm gonna watch the wizard of oz 
Oh, I'm so nostalgic. I'm going to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's with those fucking racist ass, yellow face, Mickey Rooney. Oh, I miss my childhood. (laughs) I'm going to go watch Shirley Temple. Oh, she's so cute. Like, bruh. Oh, see, it's kind of like, why are these classics still being... Yeah. Well, isn't it because they're classics? I feel um, I feel most people who are more like socially awakened <laughs> these days kind of like look at it and educate people. I don't know. I feel like most people are opposed to them because of things that happened in their past. I don't know. I don't know. I was just... I didn't know. I knew about Mickey Rooney, but I didn't know about Shirley Temple. I didn't know about Julie Garland, Judy Garland, excuse me. Names are important. I want to make sure I'm saying the right name, even though she might be a racist. But, uh, yeah, like, those are two people who I was like, oh, they're so sweet. They're such American classics. They're like, you know, they could do no harm. And then I was like... They did blackface? Like, I was... What is the definition of, like, an American classic? Would it be, like, Casablanca? Is it, like, within a time yeah, frame, kind of? I guess. Maybe, like, Gone with the Wind is also a very highly racial film, but it also had the first black Oscar winner. So... I don't know. When I think of American classics, I think of, like, Kill Bill. And, like... like That's because you have no classics. taste. Oh my god, Kill Bill fans are gonna come for you, Jelly. <laughs> Kill Bill me. <laughs> I haven't seen all of Kill Bill. I've only seen, I've only seen up to the point where she stabs him with the thingy to save him from or vice versa. Someone stabs someone so they don't die from an overdose. A lot of That's people stab do. people in that one. It's a good movie. I don't know, because I have only recently watched... I mean, like, I saw Wizard of Oz when I was younger, and I used to, mm-hmm. I think I used to watch Shirley Temple, maybe. Like, I saw the commercials for her videos. <laughs> I watched it as a kid. But I... I don't know. I think... Yeah, I do... I think it's, like, mostly a societal thing, because most very popular... Act, all popular actors at that time were white. And... Yep. Consumer-wise, I feel like, what is it, uh, Nuclear Family America at the time was like, yep, we love our white actors. We love our whiteies. Yeah. I don't know. Because I kind of nowadays celebrate the people of color who now are the actual representation. It just sucks that mm-hmm. blackface had to just perpetuate all these stereotypes up until like our own time yeah but guess what they still exist which is the next part of my argument oh my god (laughs) you thought i was done no i really didn't (laughs) i really didn't so blackface is not a thing of the past louie it's still it's still around do you hate sean dawson shane dawson I don't hate Shane Dawson, but I don't particularly like him. I think his conspiracy theories are funny. And I, one day I got really sucked into his Jeffree Star videos, but I'd still think they're racist. But I still think I'm intrigued by them, but I'm aware of their issues, social disgrace. Gotcha. 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 
Yeah. Social disgrace. <laughs> I'm proud of myself for that one. Okay. Anyways, uh, blackface is. Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. Podcast time. My too. tummy hurts. <laughs> I ate so wait. much tahini and watermelon, bro. Yeah, stop. <laughs> too much watermelon, like, makes you bloat. Hello. Yeah, that's what's happening. I think it's the sugar and the water. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's all the watermelon. Water doesn't really make me bloat, though. Water just makes me pee. Where's the salt okay. coming? Oh, the tahine. Okay, this explains it. Go on. There you go. Okay. Part three. Part three. Um, it's not a thing in the past. It's still happening today. Okay, so, like, as we know, lots of politicians, actors, colleges, and even fashion brands have been caught and confronted about their displays of blackface. So here are some examples. In 2013, my alma mater, the year before I got there, the UC Irvine chapter of Lambda Theta Delta, which is a historically Asian American fraternity, which you and I have talked a lot about, like the anti-blackness in Asian communities. Mm-hmm. But that fraternity released a lip sync video with members donning blackface so as to portray the rapper Jay-Z. Okay, it was a whole clusterfuck. Anyways, that happened seven years ago. Like, that's not even that long ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 2018, the luxury brand Gucci released a sweater as a part of its fall winter collection oh, that with featured the, yeah, the a turtleneck like collar that covered the lower face with an exaggerated outline of red lips in the mouth which is strikingly similar to people donning black face with the exaggerated lips mm. and they got I saw that on Twitter. ripped apart for it and also they put it on a white ass model like yeah. I don't think it would have been any better on a black model. It wouldn't have been. Like, first of all, it's an ugly ass model. It'd be way worse on a black model. (laughs) Like, second of all, just... (sighs) Girl, what is you thinking? I would like to hope the design is a sideways butterfly. (laughs) Oh, God. It's just a red bee. It's just a red bee and a backwards bee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Continue. Yeah. There's more. So, um, uh, even more harmful and sinister than these overt displays of racism and prejudice are the pervasive stereotypes of blackness that continue to flourish in media and societal ideology, all of which have their roots in minstrel seat. So the traits of black fictional characters in media today do not stray far from the caricatures created within minstrel shows. Black women are often portrayed as sassy, loud, domineering, aggressive. Black men are displayed as lazy, dangerous, crime-ridden, and brutish. The false caricatures of black folk introduced and perpetuated in minstrel shows and caricatures, they've not gone away. They've just evolved into something less overt and quote-unquote socially acceptable. But this race Racism and prejudice still remains and it still is in our media and it still is in our shows and our musicals and our plays and all these things that are happening. Like everything that was created within minstrelsy is still perpetuated. It's just shape shifted in a certain sense. It's very similar to like slavery shape shifting into the prison industrial complex. end rant kind of because <laughs> i have the list of all the black caricatures like if if you wanted to hear them to be like oh yeah that sounds like this character character in this show i think i saw it on twitter but yes go through the list yeah so here are some of the black caricatures 
you have the Sambo. And these caricatures are all the ones that were uh, created during minstrelsy. So we have Sambo, who is the happy, childlike slave who is willing to serve his master. He's seen as naturally lazy and looking for his master for direction. And it's like this character was born as a justification to slavery. Like white people were saying like, oh, he's happy as a slave. He's willing to serve me. You Mm -hmm. know, without him, he would be lazy. He would be good for nothing. Like I'm giving this person a purpose. So like think of every black butler almost and there's other caricatures that kind of go more toward like the black butler but think of any wait caricature. i don't know the black butler oh we'll talk about that's it. just an anime that i know maybe it's a play uh, off the word okay go on oh my god okay so that's the sambo then we have like the brute or the savage who is the ape-like black man who can't resist their animal-like tendencies and needs to be tamed and put in their place either through enslavement or lynching. And this is the idea that blacks are mentally, physically, and culturally inferior to whites. Weird how Get Out perpetuates the exact opposite through genetics. Then we have the zip coon. And coon is the shortening of raccoon, which is also a racial slur for black people. Um, the zip coon is seen as lazy, uneducated, and disrespectful, unreliable, and subhuman. What is like that I said, one caricaturized as? I'm like imagining um, the ones that I, I think I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. The zip coon is seen as like the opposite of Sambo. They say it's like the Sambo oh. gone bad. So it's oh. like the opposite of the person who's like willing to serve his master. This is like the lazy person who is not willing to serve the master. Um, Then we have Jim Crow, which we already talked about, which is the happy-go-lucky plantation slave who dances and sings. The main perception of blackness to the American North as they had not much interaction with enslaved blacks. Hello? I was letting Leo in as quietly as I could. You need to uh, WD-40 your door. Both my doors. Um, then we have Aunt Jemima and the Mammy. My favorite maple syrup. Yeah, well, your favorite <laughs> maple syrup is racist. Uh, the older, heavyset, dark-skinned black woman who takes care of white children and cooks the meals. The female counterpart to Sambo. So Aunt Jemima and the Mammy are the black women who cook, who clean, who take care of the white children and love them as their own. They're, like, happy to be taking care of them they're like docile um basically think of all of the i mean if we were to see the help from just the white perspective yeah not actually from the maids Mm -hmm. they're like the mammies and the aunt jemimas okay that's what i was like would that be kind of like the help how they (laughs) kind of but within that movie we see it from the black perspective so we know that they're not Mm -hmm. But if we were to see it just from the white superior perspective, they would view them as the caricatures of the mammies. Um, Okay. Then we have the tragic mulatto, the light-skinned black woman, often the offspring of a white slaveholder and his slave, whose life is defined by self-hate, depression, and sexual perversion. The tragic mulatto often is denied their blackness and tried to pass out at and they try to pass as white if they can do so through physical appearance, vernacular, and mannerism. So, so would that like, be like the oversexualization of like black girls today? Yeah. Um, there's another one that goes more into that. Oh. But the tragic mulatto is like 
the light-skinned black girl who tries as much to be white as possible if they are white passing like denies their blackness the sapphire trope is the sassy bossy domineering black woman often portrayed as emasculating her husband through verbal bullying and put downs like there's so many black characters i think of all the tyler perry movies Mm -hmm. for these even though they're created by like a black man like he is directly playing off of black stereotypes and black caricatures for all of these women i was gonna ask you that i was gonna ask whether or not you think it's continues to perpetuate it in a negative sense when an african-american director or producer does it so i think it's more satirical I think in a certain sense it's satirical, but I do think there are a lot of times where black artists play into caricatures because it is quote unquote marketable Mm -hmm. or they're trying to be satirical about it and bring attention to it in a different way where I think like Jordan Peele might do that in a different way where he's like putting that character in that light, but then showing a different side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the Sapphire is the sassy domineering black woman. Um, usually the one who yells at her husband, you know. I think of, like, Jackie from Sister Sister, where she's always yelling at the twins. and Tamara, yeah. Yeah, and she's always yelling at at the girls, and she's just loud, and she's always insulting. What is his name, Ray? I think so. Ray and Jackie? Yeah, Ray. She's like, Ray! Ray! Ray, Ray! (laughs) Like, that is sort of like the sapphire trope okay um like oh you nothing but a a dirty thieving man like you know just like insulting them all the time things like that then we have the jezebel who's the light-skinned thin straight-haired hypersexualized seductress um yeah jezebel demonstrates a more european beauty ideal and absolves white men for blame for the sexual abuse of raping the black woman so that's like the hypersexualized mm. black woman um, that we kind of put in with the tragic mulatto. Um, but yeah, that's the Jezebel. And like a lot of people will see, you'll hear like men being like, oh, she, she uh, seduced me or like, you know, things like that where the black men will be, or not the black men, the white men who rape these women will be like, she seduced me. She came at me. She's hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. I was seducted. She's so exotic. She played her voodoo on me. Like there's so many different things because they like hypersexualize these women that it just absolves white men of like the blame of sexually abusing these women. Um, okay. Two more Mandingo, which we've all heard of. <laughs> Um, is closely associated with the brute and savage stereotype, which I mentioned earlier. The Mandingo is a strong, burly black man who is sexually voracious. And this is perpetuated by the idea that black men were animalistic in nature. So like the black men not being able to control themselves or their sexual urges, they're Mandingos, they're strong, like we need to put them in their place by, you know emasculating them by putting them in chains or lynching them or it's crazy because you know, like white men probably felt pretty emasculated when coming across a strong black man so what's the happy tiny dicks now don't it <laughs> so the mandingo um is yeah i mean you know seen as just like 
it was absolving or it was placing blame on black men for I don't want to say the rape of white women, but because it was often not the case, but like they would blame that caricature of like, he's an animal. He can't control himself. Like he's coming at our women and doing these things. Like that's sort of where the Mandingo comes from um, and things. And the last one is the uncle Tom, which this is the like black servant. So Uncle Tom is an older, faithful, subservient black man who is a dependable worker, unlike the coon. So the coon's lazy, but Uncle Tom is like willing to work and is eager to serve his white master, similar to Sambo. Um, He's often portrayed as docile and non-threatening, unlike the brute or the savage or the mandingo. And the Tom character fulfills the same purpose as the mammy or the Sambo. It's a justification for slavery. Um, So the Uncle Tom is sort of the male counterpart for the mammy or the aunt jemima um where he's like the house the house worker the house male black yeah i got i got you yeah um you know the (laughs) the house n-word yes yes yeah yeah um he's like the butler he's the person you know opening the doors getting the horses for the carriage, you know, getting the car ready, things like that, where it's like, they're still within the house and not in the field. Um, whereas like the Mandingo was probably going to be in the field. Um, the Sapphires and the Jezebels are probably going to be in the house because they're light skin. Um, same with the Mulatto. Jim Crow is going to be out in the field. Coon, Zip Coon, Brute and the Savage, Sambo, all going to be out in the fields. Um, and so, I mean, you can kind of just start to even hear in the descriptions of those characters, you're like, if you start to kind of track black characters in movies that you've seen, you're like, oh yeah, that kind of goes in line with this. And this kind of goes in line with that, you know, how many movies have you seen where the black girl is always the sassy best friend who's loud and domineering and has an attitude you know, that stereotype of a woman, that's, you know, going back to the Sapphire. That's a raven. (laughs) That's who I think of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, like I said, like these caricatures and these stereotypes have not gone away in the slightest. They've just morphed into something that we deem as socially acceptable. And, like, that's, I think, even a little bit more scary than them existing overtly. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, never forget that musical theater has its roots in blackface and minstrelsy. Um, yeah. America's just racist as fuck. It be like that, man. It be like that. (laughs) But yeah, that's all I have for you tonight. Taking about an hour of your time. That's all right. That's all right. These watermelons went to my tum-tum real fast. Yeah, there's also a watermelon caricature because did you know that watermelons were deemed... Um, the reason they're associated with blackness is because after the civil war, black people were able to 
farm watermelons and they actually became quite affluent while farming their watermelons. And so white people were like, watermelons are dirty. They're associated with blackness. And they like wanted to kind of. Wait, how, um, how was the watermelon associated? I like blanked that time before you said white people said watermelons are dirty. What did you say? Okay. After the civil war. Uh huh. Black people started farming watermelons. Oh. And then they You mean like without became, being, sl- like when they were. Without being slaves. Like oh, on their okay. own. And started to get a pretty good amount of money from farming watermelons on their own. It was like their first kind of payday for themselves mm-hmm. as humans that didn't require them being enslaved. Yeah. Yeah. And then so white people were like, ugh the horror and basically created this myth that watermelons were dirty they were low class um that they only you know black people loved watermelon because it's sticky they're childlike like all these things and created the stereotype around blackness and watermelons i always Um, wondered where that came from yeah, all because watermelons were, like, the first big sort of cash crop for Black people wow. and Black farmers. And so there is another caricature called, like, the watermelon caricature. The histories of certain things are just so sad. I thought I don't know where I thought that stereotypes or origins were from, but mm-hmm. I didn't think they were that dark, bro. Yeah. Freaking love yeah. watermelon. <laughs> I know. I love, I mean, I love watermelon too, but uh, I am black, so. That doesn't mean anything. You can be black and love watermelon. <laughs> That's true. Just because you, can you be love black it. and not love watermelon. Yeah, exactly. Just because you love it does not mean you perpetuate it. Exactly. But yeah, that's where that stereotype comes from. Watermelons are like the first cash crop. And then whites were like, the horror. No, no, it's, no, no, no. It's dirty and low class. <laughs> what the heck? I know. Isn't that, I'm ugh, glad that's makes... not the like case now. Now everyone loves watermelons. Yeah, but, but it is they're still, still associated I mean, with exactly. Yeah. People still know that stereotype. Oh, I could have gone my whole life not knowing where that came from. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry <laughs> to burst your bubble. <sighs> well, Louie, you you had a little something to tell. I did a little something. Do you want to call me back in like 10 minutes though? Because the watermelon is going to make me go poo poo. Okay. Okay. I'll see you in 10. Now I'm looking at chocolate chip cookie recipes. Oh, I'll make chocolate chips after this. Yeah, I think I'm going to make chocolate chip cookies because I want something sweet. This would be a good post. We should both take pictures of our chocolate chip cookies and then post it as like a story and be like, guess what we're cooking up? Yo. Yeah. What are we cooking up though? This episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Cause I'm okay. for real gonna make chocolate chip cookies after this. Yes, same. Oh, you should oh yeah, no, I'm gonna do chocolate chip because if I do my mom's shortbread ones, I have to wait for the dough to f- get cold again and I don't wanna wait. Okay. Okay. We're making chocolate chip cookies, and if you're listening to the podcast at this point. You'll know what we were cooking up. Can you smell what we're cooking? Can ya? Can ya smell it? Alright. So my thing is much shorter than yours since there is not a lot of information on my topic. Uh-huh. 
and I do not have two of the books that I will be mentioning, but I did find screen caps. So are you going to continue drinking? I finished my wine. Well, I will take another rip off my stizzy. Is this an ad? This is an ad. Is I'll be really smoking. called a stizzy? Pineapple Express. Concentrate. Yeah, it's called a stizzy. It's like S-T-I-I-I-Z-Y. It's I'm sure you've seen... Stizzy! I'm sure you've seen, like, the merch somewhere. I looked at it and I was like, this is vaguely familiar, but these little things rip so nicely. Uh, okay. <sighs> Louie, oh, jelly. Some- <laughs> 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 I got very startled. Um, you also had something to talk to us about. Yes, it's very short as there is not much information on it. And the two books with the detailed information will be plugged at the end. Uh-huh. But... Shelly, tell me, do you have any tattoos? Yeah, I have nine, eight, nine, nine, eight, nine, nine, eight, nine. (laughs) Now, do all of those tattoos have symbolic meaning to you? Uh, yeah. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't like this. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Mm, Pat, pat. Very good. <laughs> I did pet Leo. <laughs> yep, that, that's exactly why. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, today I'm going to do a very brief verbal presentation. <laughs> Sorry. On Philippine tattoo traditions and yeah. a very brief history of their history. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay. So I have to give somewhat of a brief experience that kind of catalyzed this rabbit hole of mine. Okay, okay. And Jelly was there when I got the tattoos that kind of catalyzed that. Oh, your, your moon? Yeah, my moonsies and my starsies. I love that tattoo. Thank you. So Jelly and I have matching tattoos for a friend of ours who passed away a couple years. And so I've always wanted to just kind of chill and like revel in like having a spine tattoo before getting my entire back done. That being said, I really wanted a celestial themed on my spine. So uh, I fell yep, down <laughs> a rabbit hole from the Aswang project which told the story of the old gods of the Philippines, which inspired that tattoo. And that is when I fell down the tattoo history of the Philippines. You are just a little Alice, aren't you? I fall down a lot of rabbit holes. Really, really. I just really want my tea. What did she go down there for? She didn't want to live the existence she was living (laughs) Uh, I thought she just went down there by mistake. Didn't her cat go in there? Oh, maybe. Oops. Why? Oh, hold on. I got Google. Why did, did Alice, Alice go to Wonderland? Go, go to jail. Go. <laughs> maybe yeah. they went Alice Cooper. Don't <laughs> uh, uh, so, so lost. 
Um, Wikipedia is not a source, but it's my source. Um, Alice. No, I don't care about that. I don't know why. Chapter one, down the rabbit hole. Alice, a seven-year-old girl, is feeling bored and drowsy while sitting on the riverbank with her elder sister. She notices a talking, clothed, white rabbit, me, with a pocket watch running past. She follows it down the rabbit hole where she suddenly falls a long way to the curious hall. Okay, so she just follows the rabbit. Because she's like, damn, look at that rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) That bum bun. (laughs) That's it. Oh, damn, Alice. Well, same, same. I involuntarily fall down these holes, but I voluntarily say falling. I have a parachute. I just never pull it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, mm-hmm. a long time ago, mm-hmm. when the and Fire the Nation attacked. Far, far away. <laughs> Tattooing was a huge part of Philippine culture to the point where, like, the Spanish conquistadors that landed in the Visayas coined the Philippines Las Islas de los Pintados or if you want to do a Spanish lith, right? right? Uh-huh. Las Islas de los Pintados Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> or roughly translated to the island of the painted ones because nearly every native that the Spanish met on the islands were yeah, to the up. gods yeah yeah. Yeah. That's so, dope. I know. We were we was that's that was serving a, looks. Serving looks, serving traditional elemental spirit rune type things. Heck yeah, my dude. <laughs> um anyways, at the time the Spanish landed, um headhunting and tattooing were very widely practiced among Uh, natives from all the islands um, throughout the Philippines, but most recognizably in the northern Philippines in Luzon by way of the Bontoc. Sorry, I'm not going to talk white when I do this. The Bontoc, Ifugao, and Igorot mountain people and all of their designated tribes. So those are ethnic groups and they also have tribes within their ethnic groups and all such this things. Mm -hmm. Um, But tattooing was actually later criminalized due to its incorrect direct correlation with headhunting because the white man was like oh shit there's a lot of beheaded people out here and i'm pretty sure it's the wild savage men wait did you talk about what headhunting is i'm getting into that now headhunting is the practice of severing taking and preserving your enemy or your kill's head oh which in a lot of filipino native tribes was more so ritualistic than like an act of like malice or war so they weren't just like up and taking like spaniards beheading them and being like (laughs) it was usually like during war the people that they did kill they would take as trophies oh Okay. Yes. And this I feel um, like multiple cultures did that. Yeah, they did. It's crazy because like, that was a lot there's a there's a big African headhunting tribe as well as South America. Like when I fell down the rabbit hole, I fell down the Wikipedia rabbit hole with lists of tribes that did headhunting mm-hmm. and I was like, This is a ridiculously and surprisingly long list. Yeah. I feel like also though you see that shit 
even in white cultures, like I'm thinking like Game of Thrones, when Ned Stark was beheaded, they put his head on that thing for hella long. Yeah, but when Joffrey did that, that was kind of like an act of like power and war to like scare Sansa and like people who were betraying him. Hmm. That little bitch. So glad yeah. he choked on his own vomit. Anyways, a lot of Southeast Asian countries use this headhunting as a sort of like epitomization of like manhood since the heads mm-hmm. like i said before were taken like uh as like highly prized mm-hmm. so a good source to look at for that if anyone is interested in the history of philippine tattooing or head hunting is uh i think what is it samuel e kane's book it was like 25 or 30 years with the philippine headhunters and that is constantly referenced in every single website that i looked at so this was a misconception. This misconception that tattooing and headhunting were like synonymous in practice is like mm-hmm. similar to that of today's taboos surrounding like tattoos with like criminal activity. Because hmm. I know Jelly doesn't do criminal activity. Nah. I don't do very much criminal activity. I'm pretty straight. Uh, <laughs> straight edge. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> But the 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 synonymity, CNN enemy, mm-hmm. of headhunting and tattooing was like not entirely like directly correlated. Mm-hmm. Uh, um um um. What was I going with this? I don't know. Oh, because a lot of the tribes had like really 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 deep meanings behind every like design. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, like, being tattooed was a rite of passage, and the designs that were held were, like, bodily adornments that symbolized Native practices and spirituality, rank and mm-hmm. society for a lot of men, kill count, <laughs> feminine beauty with women at least, um, and a tribe or community's history. So they were also kind of like status symbols. I like when they said status symbols, that automatically my brain jumped to like the Star of David that like Jews had to wear. <laughs> because, but, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because it's like, like, yeah, it's like okay. a badge showing like what your role is. So even when like Jews mm-hmm. weren't, yeah, they were still allowed out, but it was like a blatant form of discrimination. But in this Yo. case, <laughs> certain tattoos. Um, were worn to show the role that you played within your community or tribe, be it like warrior, farmer, shaman, what have you. Oh my God. I got chicken wings. Oh, my room smells so fresh. So French. Okay. Hello. 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 So, yes. as I was saying, I got chicken wings. Uh-huh, I heard. Anyways, um, when I was trying to search for wanting a tribal tattoo, because once I found this research, I was like, dude, I want one. But when you Google Philippine tattooing, you typically, you typically see, I can't speak, you typically see a lot of Polynesian designs, which mm-hmm. overlap in a lot of symbolism with Filipino tattooing, but it's not you can there's a distinct difference yeah, like if you look at like one in the same yeah because if you look at like filipino tattoos it's much more geometric and not as like flowy as a lot of polynesian inspired tattoos are mm-hmm. 
And I think I was like mind blown because I saw that there was a lot of similarities, which you guys can check out in, what is it? The Lost Children of Maui by Lane Wilkin. I'm going to buy it. I've only seen excerpts, but it basically shows a lot of similarities between Polynesian, Hawaiian, and like Southeast Asian cultures. It's amazing. But anyways, um, the designs were different in each part of the Philippines. I said that. And um, since there were so many tribes, um, these tattoos kind of signified like where you were from and what tribe you were from. Mm -hmm. So um, there was much more prevalent tribes in Luzon, which is like in the northern Philippines, uh, because that's where a lot of the information is coming from. There's an old tattooing lady who does like traditional ass tattoos and her name is Wang Odd, but I don't remember where she's from. Kabutan. No, I don't remember. But so when you go into get a tattoo, typically people do it sometimes for the art and sometimes they do it because there's some meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. But like many traditional tattooing traditions oh god i love redundancy <laughs> you do but it's okay i'm sitting okay. on the floor with chicken wings sitting in front of me i'm distracted it's okay anyways you need to do research as to like where your ancestors are because a lot of the tattoos have severely different meanings and jelly is a spiritual person i'm uh-huh. sure many of you listening know that she's a spiritual person these tattoos are similar to that of like runes and like mm. I remember, you said you wanted to get a rune once. Yeah, my time. my aunt and I are supposed to get matching yeah. rune tattoos. Actually, my aunt and I, my aunt still not only says she owes me a tattoo, but it was a Christmas gift. So, <laughs> tell your mom happy birthday for me. Okay. Yes, a rune and runes and being marked correctly and incorrectly. Yeah, you don't want to get. You know, it's like one line of a difference can mean like something completely different mm-hmm, exactly and you don't want that like you don't want to go in thinking you're getting a tattoo about connectivity and then you get one and it's like death upon all people <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, okay uh i don't remember where i was Oh, yeah. Okay. So depending on the tribe and where you're from, like, it's really, really, really specific. And it was really hard because I feel like a lot of people can't really trace back their heritages, especially in the Philippines, because it's like, oh, gosh, I could be part Chinese. I could be part Japanese. I don't know which tribe I'm from. And so there's a big revival of Philippine tattooing um, Mm -hmm. that was I don't know if it was really catalyzed by Lane Wilkin or if it was this like tribe that I found when I fell down my rabbit hole. Uh, they're called Tak Tak Nagapat na Alon, and it basically translates into Mark of the Four Waves. And mm-hmm. these groups of people do these beautiful, 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 beautiful tattoos in LA or near LA. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of studies into bringing it back and making your own tribe and helping people find <laughs> their backgrounds and lineages. And I want <laughs> Jess Leo. Why? For what <laughs> reasons? But yeah, they help people a lot. And I just wanted to plug them and some other people because they kind of like brought me to where I am now. I'm like filling out the thing and it gives you like, it's a big questionnaire and they basically do a bunch of research as to like what your tattoo should look like correctly, Mm -hmm. culturally, 
all of that. That's so cool, though. Yeah, it's a cultural renaissance and restoration, and I love it. Heck, yeah, my dude. That is really awesome. I do really, really enjoy that. Mm. Headhunter squad. Okay, I'll do the outro so I can eat. I can smell these chicken wings. (laughs) Bro, I literally had a full-ass dinner, and I'm hungry again. That's what alcohol does to you, my guy. Dude, I'm gonna make those chocolate chip cookies though. Oh shit, dang it, I have to do that too. Okay, after I eat and then you can we can sit pictures and then okay. cookies. Um great. i I really enjoyed learning about that. Do you know before you eat, um do you know which tribe you're part of? Or like, um have you learned that yet? Kind of. So there's kind of like a geographical map that shows like what tribes you may be from Mm -hmm. and from what my mom told me about her and my like bio dad side is that I'm most likely what the heck is it called I'm most likely Taboli I know I'm saying that hell like Taboli Uh, I was like (laughs) Taboli who? Taboli (laughs) it's like T apostrophe B-O-L-I Taboli Mm -hmm. Um, because that is uh, a tribe close to where her mom lived in Mindanao. And then I think my dad's side of the family, because he looks a little more black than I do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he has some Negrito blood mm-hmm. and he's probably from like a Manobo or Bogobo tribe. Also, well, that one's in the Visayas. Mm. Yeah. So... One of those those three, <laughs> probably. That's cool. Yeah. I I want to know what tribe I'm from in Africa. Are you wow. okay? Wow, Leo. <laughs> Can you? Um. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I'm super excited for you to get your other books and um read more and learn more about your heritage because I always encourage that in people you already are starting to eat okay so with that this has been Bored Round Girls thank you so much for listening to my drunk ass and Louie's high ass And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.